Welcome to Abiding Hope Worship Center's podcast. We pray that you're inspired, challenged, and encouraged as you listen to a message from Pastor Raphael. Good morning. My name is Rafael Rodriguez. I'm the senior pastor here at Abiding Hope Worship Center. I'd like to welcome all our guests that are here today, and I'd like to say hello to everyone watching this online. We know that most people will check us out online before they even visit, so we really look forward to seeing you soon, those who are watching online. I want to start today by introducing to you a brand new three-week series, brand new three-week series called on prayer called You Ask For It. Say it with me. You Ask For It. Wow. So when you hear that, right, many people thinking, man, what, are they, what is he talking about? What's going through your heads? And if I could read your mind right now, for some of you guys who are tough, some of you gals that are tough, you're saying, you asked for that butt whooping this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen? Those of you who have small children back in the day when they got in your nerve, and you say, why'd you hit me, mommy? Because you asked for it. You asked for that butt whooping, right? Because of your behavior. Man. Oh, you say this. Others you may be thinking, I should have never ate that. And you can hear your spouse in the background say, you asked for it. Or if you buy, if you went, you know, if you, the other day you went to buy a dress at Bell's and you tried it on and then you didn't like it, but your husband went back over there and bought the dress for you and he brought it back to you and he said, why did you buy this dress for me? And his response is, because you asked for it. Imagine if God gave us everything we asked for. Can you turn me down just a little bit? You say, Lord, may I, run the, may I win the lottery? And bam, you won the lottery. And then you have to you spend all your money, you're filing for bankruptcy, and then you go to him and say, God, why didn't you give me this? And imagine God saying, well, you asked for it. Right? Imagine you ask God to bring back your old boyfriend, your old girlfriend, or you asked him to bring back so you could get married. And you guys get married, and months later, you realize the reason why you broke up in the first place is because you were not meant to be. And then you cry out to him and say, Lord, why did you answer this prayer? And imagine what God, if God would say, because you asked for it. Imagine if he asked every single answer, every single one of our prayers. May have been some prayers that I asked the Lord, oh, Lord, bring this person. Man, I was such a, 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 a codependent person when I was younger. Man, I was in some dysfunctional relationships. And I remember being in one, uh, this girl, man, I was so hung on to her. And we had our drama back and forth. We were breaking up like every week or something. And I remember one time I'm sitting there praying, oh, Lord, bring her back in my life. Oh, God, please. And I'm praying, I'm believing. And she wasn't even a believer, okay? And I'm praying, I'm believing. Oh, I can't live without her, Lord. Please bring her back. And she comes back to my life, I'll tell you what, the next the week later, I was like, see ya, we're done. Right? And I realized I'm asking for something that's not meant for me to have, right? Because God was waiting for me to get connected to my lovely wife, Marie. He was waiting for me to get connected with her. Yeah, praise the Lord. Clap your hand. He was waiting for me to get connected with her because he had her already picked out for me. Praise the Lord. I knew it when I first saw her, too. When I walked into Southeastern University, the greatest university in all the planet, okay, in Lakeland, Florida. I went in there. I walked in the classroom. I saw that her. I was like, whoa, woman. Whoa, man. Praise the Lord. That's why they call you woman. Whoa, man. She looks so good. I was like, praise God. I'm going to get to know her. And she had a best friend that uh, her name was Gwen, and they, they were roommates. And Gwen would sit in the back of the class. I was one of the students. I like to sit in the back of the class, you know? Like the two ladies back there. I like to sit in the back of the class, right? I like to sit in the back of the class, right? And so I'm sitting in the back of the classroom, and um, I talked to her friend, Gwen. I was like, so let me know about your roommate. Give me details. What's going on? Like, Give me everything I can find out. 
All right, well, she has a heart for urban ministry. Okay, good. Praise God. She, she started off in the, the place in Lakeland called the Bottoms. That's where we used to do ministry back in the day. And then uh, she says she speaks Spanish fluently. I say, praise the Lord. That's an A plus two because I wanted to marry somebody who spoke Spanish as well. She didn't have to be Spanish necessarily or Puerto Rican or Dominican or Cuban. That's the fact that she had to speak Spanish. So Marie spoke Spanish. I'm like, oh, praise the Lord. I'm checking off all this list. I'm like, I need to get to know her ASAP, right? <laughs> so praise the Lord. I finally got there courage after a couple of classes to ask her out. And I said that, you know, so many times I tell you that story. It was was a nerve-wracking thing for me. But God was preparing my heart for her. Amen? Matter of fact, I needed to grow up some more because Marie was already mature. She already had her career going. She was going in one direction, and I needed to grow up. But, man, I go back. I remember. I don't even have that in my notes. I remember the day I'm getting on my knees praying for that one relationship that I was in. Lord, bring her back. Lord, bring her back. I'm in tears. (laughs) And bring her back. And when he did, man, I was like, why'd you do that? You asked for it, right? But here's a better one. You ask the Lord to please save your son or daughter. Please save your grandson, your granddaughter, or your great-grandkids. And the Lord did. And then you say, thank you, Jesus. And he says, of course, you asked for it. Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning, a series called You Asked For It. I'm going to encourage you guys to continue to pray without ceasing. Amen? Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit present right now. Continue to pray without ceasing. Continue to trust the Lord no matter what. Continue to believe for greater things. Amen? I've been asking God for something insane. If I would tell you what that was, you would think I'm local in the cocoa, okay? And what I'm going to say is that I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say this. It rhymes. Plus it rhymes. I like it. I'm local in the coco un poco. That means I'm crazy in the mind a little bit, okay, in Spanish. Loco in the coco un poco, okay, that all rhymes, right? There's another rhyme, word that rhymes with coco and loco and un poco. That's the word moco. You don't want to know what that is, okay? That means a booger. You don't want that, okay? But anyway, and so there's words in Spanish that rhyme. I find, you know, it's good to speak different languages. Hey, learn Spanish. You got some really cool words that you can use, especially Puerto Rican Spanish, because we make up our own words, Amen? We do. We got one called que lo que That means, what's up? What's going on? You know? And then we try to cut it short. We're like, que laki. That means, you know, same thing. We just want to cut it short. We try to be cool and come up with all the slang terminology and they think Puerto Ricans are crazy. But part of us are. We are, you know, some ways. But crazy good, you know? Amen. And so I'm talking about you ask for it. And you're looking at the elements right now. I promise you, I didn't forget about our communion. I'm going to leave that for the last thing. But here's the thing about communion real quickly that I said. We usually do this at the end of the month. But I said last week, I want us to start celebrating the beginning of the month, the first fruits, and giving our best to the Lord so that the whole month is blessed because we're doing this first in the first Sunday of the month rather than waiting to the last Sunday of the month. Amen? Because God is good. We want to give him our first fruits. We want to show him our love. We want to give him everything that we have and, and, and what we do. So we want to celebrate the beginning of the month talking about the, the elements of that, okay? And those of you who give to missions, missions offering, give that as well. We want to continue to support our missionary. This month is jam-packed with a lot of stuff. I was in the office looking at the calendar, and by memory, I'm like, oh, man, this is coming up. This is coming up. And Anthony was there. He was like, this is coming up. This is coming up. This is coming up. I think my Anthony could be my personal assistant, you know, my bodyguard. Slash personal assistant, all right? Anyway, so I'm writing this stuff down. I'm like, man, we got a full month. I'm excited about the month of May. I'm telling you right now. Here's the reason. One of the reasons is this, this message. I prayed. I sought the Lord. I asked the Lord, what are we going to do for the month of May? 
I'm asking, I asked the Lord what we're going to do for the month of June. He's been giving me downloads, giving me stuff to share with his congregation because God's about to let's do something amazing here. Amen? He could do something supernatural. That's why I'm speaking prophecy over you because I'm believing it's coming around the corner. He could do something amazing in a special way. I truly believe that. Amen? I refuse to walk around in defeat. I refuse to walk around with my head hung down. I'm going to trust the Lord in everything I do. Amen? I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to speak life to the situation. Amen? We are. We got to be life changers. We got to be transformers. Amen? I'm not talking about transformers. More than meets the eye. I'm talking about the real transformers. Amen? Walk and transform in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen? We're going to get woke for Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. Right? Because God is good. Here we are in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says this, always pray joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. It's all three of them. I want you to understand. It says to always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There used to be a time that I used to just say, man, the last part, verse 18, be thankful for all circumstances. I used to believe that that was the only part that would say, for this is God's world that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. No, it's all three. It's every single one of those in that verse. It's to be, always be joyful, to never stop praying, and be thankful in every circumstance, for this is God's will for those who belong in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what he called us to do. Well, what are you talking about? How are we going to be joyful in, in, in the midst of chaos? How are we going to stop, stop, you know, be praying if my prayers are not answered? How are we going to be thankful for all circumstances? God called us to do that. Amen? And this is the reason why we come to church, so we could be prepared to do that for the rest of our week. Amen? Man, I'm telling you what. I'm excited to preach this morning. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I might preach fast. I might preach slow. I don't know. I'm just excited for what God's going to do. I'm going to pray. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray. Father, we come before you right now. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are worthy, O Lord, of all honor and all praise. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're going to do. Through this message, we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. In your wonderful name, I pray. And everyone said, amen. The verse I want to focus on this morning is the verse that says, never stop praying. In verse 17, never stop praying. Say that with me. Never stop praying. Amen. Never stop praying. But Paul calls the church of Thessalonica to never stop praying. And here's a person who was always mindful of God's presence and in all circumstances of his life. In Romans 10, Romans 1, 9, it says this, God knows how often I pray. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, for I am served with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One, one of the things I always pray is for the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. Here's a man that prayed a lot. He said, one thing I always pray is for the opportunity, to God willing, to come and see you. Paul prayed to visit Rome so he could teach the Christians there. When he finally arrived in Rome, it was as a prisoner. His prayers was answered, but it's not the way that he wanted it. He went there as a prisoner. Wow. He prayed all this time hoping that he would be able to teach them the word of God, and he goes there as a prisoner. And do you think that Paul practiced what he preached when he said in our main text today to always be joyful, to never stop praying, and to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus? Of course he believed that. Of course he lived that. Amen? Because constant, Paul, constant prayerfulness was an expression 
of his wholehearted service and desire to win souls. He prays in full submission to God's will. That's why he was the man of great influence, because he constantly just trusted the Lord and did what he had to do. He practiced what he preached. Amen? He practiced what he preached. He lived that. He walked in that. He didn't just tell people, do this and do that, and not do it himself. He was the real deal. He was legit. He was the one that constantly prayed and, and walked closely with the Lord no matter what. Here's this. I want to share some things with you about the Apostle Paul. Never did Paul imagine that he, got, he would get martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ, that he would get arrested several times, slapped in the face, have stones thrown at him, be bitten by a snake just to name a few. That's just to name a few. But here's this. There's five different times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he spent the whole night and day lost at sea. He had traveled so, on so many long journeys. He faced danger from rivers and from robbers. He faced danger from his own people, the Jews, and as well as the Gentiles. He faced danger in all the cities and deserts and on the seas. And faced danger from men who claimed to believe, who, who claimed to be believers, but were not. He worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights, was hungry and thirsty, and had often gone without food, shivering in the cold, with, with, without enough clothing to keep him warm. Then besides all this, he had the daily burden and the concern for all the churches that he led as an apostle. So when Paul wrote, never stop praying, he lived it. Amen? He lived it. His whole life was a difficult life. He had challenges. As you remember in the scriptures, he talked three times, he asked the Lord to take the thorn from his flesh. And scholars believe that he had limited poor eyesight, and so he couldn't see very well, okay? Some other scholars believe that he had issues with lust in his life because he wasn't married. I don't know what it was, but he prayed to the Lord three times to get that out of his, the thorn out of his, fle his, uh, his flesh, or get the thorn from his side, and the Lord said no. Three times he prayed. But then he finally said, not my will, but yours be done. He learned from the Jesus Christ himself who wanted to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Lord, take this cup from me. But what did, the, what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. He carried his cross, amen? But he never let him stop him from praying. He never let that stop him from praying. Man, he had a weakness. We all do. But we could do great things for God no matter what. Amen? He kept on trusting the Lord. He never gave up. So how do we continue to ask God for it? How do we get to the place that to never stop praying for God to show up in any situation? This morning, I'm going to share with you three keys to what it takes to never stop praying. Three keys. Here we go. Number one, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says this, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayer for all believers everywhere. Amen? Guess who wrote that one? Paul wrote that one, too, to the church of Ephesus. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. To pray in the Spirit means to, you come to your Father, to the Son, as the Spirit draws you. Secondly, to pray in the Spirit refers to the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room, and they began to pray in tongues 50 days after the resurrection. That's why we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, because that's exactly 50 days after Easter Sunday, where the Holy Spirit came and filled 120 believers in the upper room. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, and guess what? Nothing was ever the same again. Amen? They got filled not only with the Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues, but they got filled with boldness to go preach the gospel and even die for Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, it takes that filling of the Holy Spirit. 
It takes that hunger for God to go after souls. It takes that hunger for God to keep on going no matter what, to keep on trusting in him no matter what the circumstances are or no matter what the circumstances may be. Let me tell you something. Paul was a martyr. I mean, he, 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 he martyred people. He killed Christians for a living. He was a crook, a criminal. And God saved him and turned his life around. So what excuse do we have in the life that we came out of and God saved us and turned our life around? Now it's time for us to go to work for Jesus Christ. Amen? It don't matter what you've done in the past. You look at Paul. Okay? If I want to get in, in layman terms, he was gangster. He was a hitman for the mafia. Okay? They would say, Paul, go take care of him. Okay, forget about it. I'll take care of him. Huh? All right. That's who he was. But God got a hold of his heart. Oh, man. He took a hold of him, transformed him from the inside out, and he was a great man of God. Amen. He could do that with every single one of us. So what does it mean to pray with other tongues? It means to pray with words, phrases, as Romans 8 indicates, with groanings that we have never learned and that we don't understand intellectually. That's what that means. We are commanded to never stop praying. Yet we cannot pray continuously without our own understanding, with our own understanding, when we are talking on the phone, driving a car, or hunting for deer, our mind is engaged in what we're doing, right? We focus. When I'm driving, I'm focused, I'm driving, because if I'm not focusing, guess what? I'm going to end up in the backseat of somebody's car. Oops. Hey, how you doing? You know? When you're hunting for deer, those you like to hunt a fish, right? You're focusing on what you're doing. So what does that mean? How can I do that? How can I engage in prayer? Well. I can be right now, okay, I could be always in prayer in the spirit even while I'm preaching this sermon because rather than using my mind to think about sentence structures or grammar and vocabulary in my heart, that's praying for you, all of you that's listening. I'm praying in my heart right now. I'm believing that God's going to use this word to make a difference in your life, amen? So I'm praying without ceasing at the very moment as I speak, amen? You don't have to necessarily be like, all right, I'm going to face the east right now. Go down, you know. No, you can pray always, amen? In every circumstance, in every season, in everything that you do. While you're out there fishing and enjoy fishing, while you're out there hunting and enjoy hunting, while I'm preaching the gospel right now, I'm praying in my heart that God will touch somebody here this morning, amen? Yes, praise the Lord. Give a hand clap to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are so many situations about which I don't know how to pray intellectually. But I can pray in a prayer language and know I'm praying in perfect harmony with the Spirit. As I do, my own faith is strengthened. <laughs> There's times I don't know how to pray. Man, we just lost a young gentleman. Man, they, I heard great things about him. Imagine what his family's going through right now. Right? And you hear about this news and you say, man, I want to pray for this family. And if you're in a situation right there and then, you don't know how to pray in that situation. Just pray in the spirit, right? It goes beyond what we can think right here. We pray right here what the Lord is speaking in our hearts and through us. Amen? And we will continue to pray for that family. We'll continue to trust the Lord and pray to get them through this time. How challenging that must be. That's a difficult thing to walk through, to lose a child. Man, I hope I never find that out. You know, I'm just... But we want to pray. Pray, right? Pray. There's times we can't understand what we're praying. We pray in the Spirit. I think of a story of Elijah that I that's mentioned in 2 Kings 6, when he was hung, hanging out in the city of Dalton, not Alabama, but Dalton, okay? He was surrendered by, surrounded by thousands of soldiers that were sent by king, the king of Syria to kill him. All right? He's in Dalton, and Elijah is surrounded by people 
around him who was sent by the king of Syria to kill him. Elijah's servant cried out, We're dead. I would have done the same. Whoa, what, what's going on? The mafia is out to get me. I'm dead, right? But Elijah, knowing what is meant to pray in the spirit, said, Lord, open his eyes. And when, Gehaz, when Gehazi opened, eyes were open. He saw the surround, that surrounding the Syrians were millions of angels in fiery chariots. Amen? Millions of angels. The Bible actually says tens of thousands. Well, back then, they didn't understood in the original language that there's millions, okay? And so millions of fiery chariots surrounded the whole entire army. In 2 Kings 6, verse 17, it says this. Then Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Elijah had seen those chariots of fire before. Remember, with great sorrow, he watched his mentor Elijah get taken up by the chariots of fire on the day that Elisha was leaving. Remember that story? Remember when he followed him, right? When Elijah went to him and took off his cloak and he threw it on him and he walks away. Now imagine somebody doing that to you. All right, you just, here you go. And walks away. And what did Elijah do? Elijah starts following him. He says, let me go, you know, let me go talk to my parents. I'm, I'll, I'm with you. I'm going this. And let me put my, finish my hands to the plow. And Elijah's like, do what you got to do. But I just did what I had to do. And so he goes there, right? He follows him. He watches all this miracle. Then came the time when Elijah was about to take, be taken up in a chariot of horses. And Elijah's crying out desperately, don't take him, Lord. Don't take him. Don't take him. And he watches him go up there. And he sees him being taken away. And that's, guess what? He had to follow the call that God put in his life to take his place. Now, I want to encourage you with these words right now. Here you go. Some of you remember the first time you see God move in a sorrowful situation in your life. You watch your secure life disappear. You watch all your hope fade away. But by God, you can come to the place where, like Elisha, you can now pray in the spirit and see that vast army of millions of angels, chariots of fire by your side, and you know that everything is going to be okay. Amen? You can believe that. Elisha, his, his buddy, his friend, his mentor was leaving him. And I can picture him saying that, I don't know what to do. I've never been a prophet before. I've never done this. And Elijah's like, you've seen everything you needed to see. <laughs> and what did he say to him before he left? Who remembers? He said, let me have a double portion of your anointing. And Elijah said, if you see me leave up to the heavens, you will have that. Right? And the first thing that happens, the cloak falls down. He picks up the cloak. What is the first thing? Who, some of you guys, you know the Bible better than I do. What was the first thing that he did? He went to the stream and did what with it? He smacked the stream and the stream parted because God was with him. You might have been in a desperate situation in your life. You watched things, people leave your life. You watch situations get worse and worse. You watch circumstances all around you, and God is saying, I am with you. I have the 10,000, the 10 billions and millions of fiery horses and chariots right beside you. In that situation, I am with you where you're at right now. Amen? That's what happened to Elijah. Everything's going to be okay. A body hope worship center. If you believe that there's hope for you today, I want you to make some noise for the Lord this morning. If you believe that there's hope for you. There's hope in Jesus' name, amen? There's hope in a hopeless situation. 
Amen. We are a hope-filled church. We believe with hope and faith, believing that every single circumstance and situation that we are going through, God's going to show up and do something supernatural in every one of those things. Amen? Praise the Lord. We're believing. We have hope. We have hope. Praise God. We have hope. Amen? Here's what it says. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. You get above and beyond your present depression, discouraging, physical limitation, and begin to see what God is, what's happening in the Spirit, even as you pray, because your eyes have been opened. Praise God. They have been opened. Praise the Lord. I think about Jesus when he was in a seemingly impossible situation, when his friend Lazarus had died. Four days his body had been buried and was already beginning to decay. Jesus said, roll away the stone. While everyone, while everyone stood there with their nose covered, he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Everyone thinks the situation is impossible, but I thank you for what is about to happen. To pray in the Spirit means to transcend the sense and death, sense, stink of death and despair. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Let's quit moaning, grumbling, and mourning, and follow the example of Jesus who said, I see something about to happen, and I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that something's about to happen in this situation. You have to look with spiritual eyes in the situation that you're faced with. You have to see beyond what you can see in the natural eyes and begin to trust the Lord to do something supernatural in that situation. What would happen if we, pray to, we pray, began to pray that way? Instead of going down a list during morning devotion saying, Bless Aunt Norma. Bless my dad. Bless my teacher. Be with the president. We say, Lord, I now see your hand of blessing upon my son. I thank you. I see provisions being made for my neighbor. Thank you, Lord. I see your spirit speaking to my stubborn husband or my rebellious daughter or my, or my hard-hearted boss, boss. I thank you, Father, for what you're about to do in this situation. Imagine if we pray like that. The one who prays in the spirit quits making speeches to God, going down a list of items to get it out of the way and starts fellowshipping with God, his prayers slow down, his understanding opens up, and his heart rejoices. The one, I'll say that again, who prays in the Spirit, quits making speeches to God going down a list of items to get, out, get it out of the way, and starts fellowshipping with God, his prayers slow down, his understanding opens up, and he, his heart rejoices. Praise God. When you trust the Lord, you can pray in the spirit that dead situation could be brought back to life. That dead situation could be brought back to life when you trust the Lord. Here's number two. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Amen. Paul wanted Christians to pray regularly and often, but more than that, he desired Christians to live prayfully. Prayer is more than verbalized words. It is the acknowledgement of God's constant presence and our continuous dependence on him. Amen? Praise the Lord. Some of you think, why are people leaving? They had to go early, so don't think because I'm preaching hard that they're leaving. All right? All right? All right, here we go. To never stop praying is to recognize that all our actions are done before God and all our conversations include him. Staying alert and persistent in prayer means we must watch against drowsiness, mind-wandering, and preoccupations with other things. Prayer requires spiritual zeal, alertness, and concentration, and there must be perseverance in prayer 
We must keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Here's what the Bible says in Luke eleven nineteen. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. That's not my words. That's the Lord's words. Amen? This wonderful verse reminds me of the New Testament story found in Luke chapter 2 of Simeon, who prayed and waited for the Messiah to come before he died. He said, day after week, after month, after year, after decade went by, and still Simeon waited, having received revelation that he would want, wouldn't die until his eyes had seen the Messiah. Remember that story? Then he heard the words for which he had waited for so long. Today is the day. Without a doubt, Simeon rushed over as quickly as possible as he could to the temple, expecting to hear the hoofbeats of horses. The sound of marching a marching army. And the Messiah came with his army to set Israel free. He was waiting for that. He was waiting for the sound of horses. He was waiting for the sound of a marching army. But arriving at the temple, what did he see? A young girl, her carpenter husband, and a baby. Wait a minute. What? And then Simeon said, let me get this straight. I've been hanging around for about 113 years, waiting for the Messiah, anticipating the freedom of our nation, and all I find is a baby? I'm out of here. I'm not coming back to this church. I'm not going to pray any longer. This is crazy. He didn't say that. He said in Luke chapter 2, 29 and 30, 32, he said this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, and light to bring revelation to the Gentile and the glory of your people, Israel. Seeing a young girl and a baby, his response was not, man, I waited that long to see this? No, quite the opposite. Here's the best part of the whole story. Listen to this. Watch this. Don't miss this. Listen. Are you listening? Paying attention? When you pray in the Spirit, believe in God for a certain event or a specific situation, and the answer comes in an entirely different way than you expected, you have a Simeon choice to make. I'll say that again. When you pray in the Spirit, anticipating something, and the answer comes in a different way than you expected, you have a Simeon choice to make. You can either forget about praying in the Spirit and about believing in God, or you can do what Simeon did. You can bless the Father. You can say, Lord, this is not how I expected it to happen, but I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe. Thank you, Jesus, for answering this prayer. If you choose to pray in the Spirit, I guarantee that your prayer lives will never be the same. While others are mourning and moaning, you'll be rejoicing. Where others are fearful, you'll be faithful. And others are unsettled, you will be blessed. Amen? Here's my prayer. Oh, Lord, may we be those who see the beauty and power of always praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Here's the third one and the final point. Pray for all believers everywhere. Pray for all believers everywhere. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, be persistent in your prayers for all believers. Stay with me everywhere. 
by praying for one another, Christians everywhere help follow believers overcome the evil influence that they're bent on, destroying those who come who God has called. I'll say that again. By praying for one another, Christians everywhere help fellow believers overcome the evil influence bent on destroying those whom God has called. We have to be able to pray for others, not just ourselves. Amen? We have to be willing to intercede on behalf of those who need it in prayer and not just ourselves. Supplications should be made for all of God's people. We are engaged in the conflict and need it to be supported in prayers by, by our fellow soldiers. Too often our prayers are too much for ourselves and too little for others. We must learn to pray as much for others and with others as for ourselves. We have to do that with every passion. Yesterday we prayed for India in our prayer, in our prayer meeting last night. India has been having COVID spread all over there. There's been so many deaths. It's been devastating that whole entire nation. You got uh, missionaries who can't even leave the country or go back to the country of India. And so we spent time praying for somebody else. We, not, we, may not, we may not be in our situation ourselves, but they are. Our brothers and sisters in Christ are, in India are suffering. They're being devastated by COVID. And I'm going to say, because I lived there for four years, I think most of that is because they don't practice good hygiene. They don't wash their hands, okay? A lot of stuff is just open air. A lot of their houses are open. You can just, anything, dust and all kinds of stuff flies in there. And so they're being devastated by COVID right now. Well, we're going to pause for a minute. We're going to pray for them in the middle of a message. Because I want you to understand, we can't always just pray for ourselves. We have to be willing to pray for others. Amen? We have to be willing to pray for others. Let's bow our heads and pray. Join me in prayer. Father God, we come before you right now. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we lift up India to you. We pray, Father God, you begin to move the mountains in a special way. Father, we pray that you begin to begin healing, bring healing. We prophesy healing over the nation of India right now, Lord God. And Father, I lived there. I walked those streets. I, I've seen the craziness that happens there from time to time. Lord, I pray for those believers who have faith. They have greater faith than many of us here in the United States, Lord because we're comfortable and they're not. I pray right now in Jesus' name that their faith will continue to continue on. Lord, that they will watch the miracles, signs, and wonders happen all around them, Lord God, that you begin to heal the land. I believe that this opportunity right now, this suffering that they're going through, is an opportunity, Lord God, for them to, get, to see the miracle happen and revival take place, Lord God. Out of great devastation comes the power of God that can move in a special way, Lord. So we are believing for that for India right now in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would do something supernatural there and that there will be revival as a result of all the chaos that's happening around them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just a few days ago, I was take, taking prayer requests for one of my PE classes at school. There was a lot of hands that went up, many prayer requests. I mean, it was, I was sitting there listening to what they had to say. Sincere prayers, especially for their family members, their friends, all that. I, my heart, when I was hearing these prayers, my heart was breaking. I said, man, you're only in sixth grade. And you had to deal with all this. I feel so sorry for you. Like, I was wanting to cry. I was wanting to cry right there that very moment. And I said, I'm so sorry you have to carry all this weight, but we're going to pray. And I began to testify to them about how God answers prayer. I began to testify for one of our brothers, Bob Buchanan, right? He was not doing well. We prayed for him last Sunday, and he's doing much better. I began to testify how God does situations and turn things around for his glory. And I saw hope fill their eyes. But it was one particular prayer request that really stood out, stuck out, stood out to me. At that very moment, there was a girl that lifted up her hand. 
and she said, I want to pray for my friend right in front of me who broke her finger in PE. I want to pray for her healing. Because she didn't make it about her. She was praying about somebody else. And I know this girl. This girl that raised her hand and asked for a prayer request, she lost her brother, a twin brother. She was only in second grade or third grade when he passed away. He was born with multiple complications. He had no chance of survival. The fact that he lasted as long as he did was miraculous in itself. So she's been through it. She's been through suffering. She carries that weight still on her shoulder. I can still see in her eyes the sadness and the brokenness as she thinks about her brother who used to go to the same school with her. And he's gone. But rather than praying for herself, she prayed for somebody else. She asked for prayer for somebody else. And this is truly an example of prayer for others as more than it is for herself. And that made me, right that very moment, that made me a proud coach <laughs> to watch her do that. I'm not saying that it's selfish to ask for prayer for yourself because Paul did, didn't just stop at praying for all believers everywhere. He also prayed for himself. He closes the passage of Ephesians chapter 6 with these words. He said this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassadors who pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. He requested to his readers to pray that whenever he speaks, the right words will come to him so that he will declare the mysteries of God. Even though and because of which, he is in chains. In those chains, he remains, nevertheless, an ambassador intent on carrying out his mission fiercely. Regardless of the chain, he is an ambassador. He's going to carry that out. He's going to believe. Paul could have easily said, as for me, pray that the doors of this prison might be open so I can get, get out of here. I'm tired of being in a dungeon. I'm tired of being in chains to the, so chain to the soldier. I'm tired of my pain. If I were Paul, I probably would have said those things. Hey, pray, church, pray. A body and hope worship center. Pray that I get out of prison. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. But he didn't say that. He simply said, pray that I will keep on speaking boldly and sharing the gospel. <laughs> wow. Wow. Even though he was in chains for preaching the gospel, he's asking the church in Ephesus to pray for him to continue to preach the gospel boldly in prison. Wow. And I'm so glad that God brought me to this through the most difficult times in my life. Looking back, I now see how his gracious hand has been on me. You see, I should have died as a baby. Matter of fact, even before I was born, the doctors told my mom, have an abortion because your son, may be en he may end up with mental um, um, inabilities. He may be mentally handicapped, so you might, well, might as well abort him. And you know what? My mom wasn't even a Christian at the time, but she had personal convictions and said, nope, I'm going to give birth to my child. I'm going to give birth to my child. And you know the reason why? Because God has a plan and a purpose for my life. I think about that. Forty years ago, if my mom would have listened to the doctors, I would have never been born. But I thank God for a woman who, even though she wasn't a Christian at the time, still believed, still said, I'm going to have my baby, and whatever the case may be, I'm going to take care of him because that's my baby. Try to convince her. She had that personal conviction. She said, nope. And God has plans, right? He has plans for every single one of our lives. 
He called me to do great things for him. When I was a baby, the devil tried to kill me. I started convulsing. I stopped breathing, but my mother prayed, and God intervened. I mean, multiple times the enemy was trying to take me out. He tried his best so many times before I was born, when I was a baby, still tried to take me out. And because of my mom's prayer, God intervened. My mom is an amazing woman of God. And next week is Mother's Day. And I thank God for a wonderful woman like her. I praise God for her. I'm grateful to have a mom who loved me enough to keep me, to have, my, to have a mom who keeps praying for me. When I was in the middle school, I nearly died of an ATV uh, three-wheeler accident, but my parents' prayer covered me despite my rebellion. I'm so grateful for praying parents who never stop praying. What happened before I had the accident? My mom was trying to get me to go to church. And I told my mom, I don't want to go to church. I told my mom, that church is boring. I don't fit in. I came up with every excuse in the book. I argue with her. No, I'm not going. Right? She says, okay, have it your way. And I end up getting into that accident. It almost killed me. And by the grace of God, I only walked away with a broken ankle. I had to get a metal plate in my ankle, three pins. I had to get multiple surgeries in it. All my dreams to play football. That was my dream. That was my goal, to play football. You know, besides the fact that I'm small, but I was fast. I had an opportunity. At least I thought so. Gone. Just that split decision. But her prayers kept me alive. She prayed. She kept on believing. Even though I was a rascal, they used to call me that when I was a kid, you're a little rascal. I had Christians call me that, you're a rascal. My mom saw something different. She knew that one day I was going to walk in my calling. You see, I got saved at five years old. I got called into the ministry probably about six or seven, and, but I ran away from it for so long that my mom remembered that and kept on praying and believing, and God kept me safe. <laughs> because he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I could talk about, you asked for it. I could talk about that with faith, because there's hope for those who are praying. There's hope. I'm a living example of what prayer can do. I believe with all my heart that there's hope for all of you. Hey, this is Pastor Raphael. Thank you for listening to this message. Abiding Hope Worship Center is a hope-filled church, and together we can become a hope-filled people. God bless you.